Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Uh, It was a lot of emotions, you know, especially sharing this moment with my family and, uh, you know, looking looking back where we come from, all the all the things that we that we went through, and uh, you know, just uh, the ups and downs, the struggles, and you know, it's uh, it, it was just a, a great moment, you know, to share with my family and uh, a lot of gratitude and very proud, very proud of uh, you know of what we of what we've built as a team, and uh, once again starting from. You know, uh, winning 25 games, uh, my rookie year playing in the G League, you know, and now be able to to become one of the of the best teams in the West, and hopefully now uh, win a win a championship. Rudy Gobert on his five-year, 205 million dollar contract extension, largest deal in NBA history for a center, player option for the last year. Rudy was eligible for up to 228 million, so he left a little more than four million per year on the table there. So now, PK, Jazz fans can go from worrying, are we going to hold on to Gobert? Is he going to leave too? Is he going to walk out of town like Hayward? Two. Okay, we got our two Max guys. Are they as good as those two Max guys over there? It's a whole new set of worries for Jazz fans. Yeah, I don't think that Rudy was ever going to leave town by his own doing. What I mean by that is that Hayward wanted out. I don't think Gobert wanted out. Now, he may have left. Obviously, he's not going to, so it doesn't matter. It's a moot point. But I think those two situations are different. And, yeah, now the onus is on jazz management, which is exactly where you want it to be because they've got two foundational players, obviously, in Mitchell and Gobert. And what do they do to supplement? You know, it's going to be hard. But, yeah, winning is always hard, man. If it were easy, everybody would do it. But there's the, it's, the management now has to come up with guys. I was thinking about guys that – you know, weren't extremely highly paid. And they're all highly paid. To think that this young man is going to make $40 million a year to play basketball is just absolutely mind-blowing. And for me, and I assume even for you, it's absolutely in un or in or non-comprehendable, whatever that uh, prefix is there. I couldn't imagine, you know, he's talking about struggles with his family. But at least financially, they're over. And they're not only over for you, they're over for your kids and your grandkids. And so you can have all the privilege you could possibly want now because you are financially set, I would assume, beyond your wildest dreams. But for the team, as far as winning goes, that's what the fans care about. You know, there's guys out there like Matt Harpering or Raja Bell. They weren't necessarily high-profile guys that you brought in, but they helped you win. And then also, too, well, why would you do this? These two are never going to be able to win you a title. Well, if that line of thinking, they should have let the statues go. They shouldn't have re-signed them all the times that they did, because they didn't win you a title either. Well, they found Royce O'Neal and Joe Ingles. They're going to have to find their next Royce O'Neal and their next Joe Ingles, because those players, as they play well, and if you're winning, you know, other teams are going to come for them. There's going to be opportunities for money and playing time, and even if they stay, you know, it doesn't last forever, right? And Mike Conley and Joe Ingles are in their 30s, so hopefully they can have this nice glide path and, and keep performing at a high level, but hey, we know from the statues, no matter how good you are at that, eventually, Father Time gets you. So, all of that will be in play, and all of that will be discussed going forward. The Jazz open the season Wednesday in Portland. DJ and PK. 
Hashtag NBA. Lakers have signed Kyle Kuzma to a three-year, $40 million contract extension. Former Ute hitting it big, and he's got a player option at the end of the extension, which is kind of rare if you're not a max rookie, but he's got it. And players love those things. Rudy's got it. Donovan's got it. Players love those things because then you can make sure you time it so you don't hit free agency at a bad time, whether it's because of the market or you're coming off an injury or whatever. Gives you two shots to time it just right because timing's everything, PK. Well, I think ability rather than timing is most important because when he announced he was coming out, a lot of eyebrows were raised metaphorically, and he's getting the last laugh. I don't necessarily know that it was timing, I think, for him that it was about his ability, and it's something that he believed in, and he believed in himself. And obviously, he's going to be a millionaire many, many times over, too. $40 million, now he's going to make that over the length of the deal, not one individual year, which just absolutely blows me away that Gobert is going to make $40 million playing basketball. With all, And it's nothing against him, but with all the stuff going on in the world and the country and the state and people losing jobs, that right in the middle of it, he signs for this. And same thing with Kuzma. But he's proven that he knew what he was talking about when he said, I'm going to leave the U of U early and go in the NBA. And good on him. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. BYU goes to San Diego State and beats the previously undefeated and 18th ranked Aztecs 72-62. PK, they were in charge of this game for most of the game. And then they blinked and gave up a 14-0 run, and 61-47 turned into 61-61. But you as a Jersey guy, loving people who can grind, people who can take a punch and fight back to finish that game on 11-1 run, I don't think any of us at 61-61 thought they were going to finish that game on 11-1 run. They did. That was impressive. Yeah, it was impressive. But, you know, having been in that arena with that, and I don't know the school would have been in session, it would have been more impressive if the place was packed and all that, but we don't have that. And that's where I think college, the road, is much more of a daunting task than it is in the pros because these guys, obviously, there's a difference there. But nevertheless, it was still a nice win. You can't blame them for not having fans in there. I would have been more impressed if it would have been true. There's no such thing as a true road game. But works both ways. And so, yeah, I think what they're doing is they're finding their way and getting the ball inside, looking for harms at the rim, finding guys. Johnson now has established himself and before sporadic playing time and all that stuff. So it's only to be understood, though, to be natural, that when you brought all those guys together, that it would take a little bit for Mark Pope to figure out who does what and where to play and how this stuff should work out. And I think we're seeing it to an extent. You know, I don't think they're going to beat Gonzaga. Gonzaga with a huge win over Iowa. Uh, the other day there between, what, one and three. And so Gonzaga's – we keep saying this every year with Gonzaga. This might be their best team ever. <laughs> it seems, sounds like a broken record when it comes to Gonzaga. But you could still have a really good team, irregardless of what Gonzaga does. It looks like the Cougars have an opportunity to do that. Utah blows out Idaho. Uh, that was back on Friday, 79-41. Timmy Allen had 22. Idaho was overmatched. Larry Kristoviak said after the game it was great that he got to play everybody. The starters did their job early because you were saying, you know, guys need minutes. They just need to be in a game, and so they got a lot of people into the game. Now back into conference play against your Sun Devils. That'll be a better test because Idaho was a scrimmage. Except, 
Except that game. Except it's been that, canceled. That game is canceled already. I don't Postponed. Know. Yeah, there yes, it is. Yes, yeah. Utah has COVID. That's the story. It's not that they beat Idaho. It's the fact that they've got COVID issues within the program, and they've already canceled Utah and ASU tomorrow. Southern Utah blew out Bethesda. Weber State split with Portland State. That's a big sky series. Uh, and the Aggies pounded Northern Colorado and will play again today. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Brady, a seven-step drop. Looks downfield. Wants all of it. Those toward the end. Got a receiver open. It's Antonio Brown. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Buccaneers take the lead for the first time of the game. And Brown has his first touchdown as a Buccaneer. Jackson wants to throw. Backpedaling at the 20. Now he'll dart over to the left. Extends the play. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown, Des Bryant. His first as a Raven. Sam Darnold takes one more knee. And in Sam's hometown, he makes a return trip to Los Angeles and beats the Rams. The final score, the Jets get their first win of the season in what has to be the biggest upset this year. The Jets 23 and the Rams 20. Sprint option action. Mahomes keeps it. Pitches it late. Back to Bell at the right sideline. Touchdown, Kansas City. Sprint option. It was Texas Tech pitching to Michigan State. Chiefs beat the Saints 32-29. Mahomes throwing for three touchdowns, and if you saw that option, faked it, left the guy just grabbing it air in space, ran downfield, then pitched it late, didn't take a big hit, got a touchdown. It's like uh, he has he's a puppeteer, and he's got everybody on a string, PK. He rolls out and throws these little dink touch passes and late options. He just seems to understand the space around him perfectly. It's weird. It's uh, awesome, but it's strange. Uh, he, yeah, he's a wildly talented football player, and he's got a great coach in Andy Reid, and everything is flowing together for these guys. And they continue to do what they do. They have looked as good as any Super Bowl winner defending it as anybody that I can recall in recent years. Chiefs get the win. They got the best record in the NFL. But if you're looking for a team that could uh, challenge them in the playoffs, look at the Buffalo Bills. Currently on track to be the three seed. They won the AFC East title. They routed the Broncos 48-19. to And uh, they're looking really good coming down the stretch, PK. Yeah, I mean, they're even better than their record shows because obviously they lost on that Hail Mary to the Cardinals. Take away that. They even got a better record. That's the one thing I can say. Well, if not for that play, because it literally was the last play. Anything else drives me nuts when I hear that. <laughs> but for those guys, yeah, they can say that. If not for that play, since it was the last play. But they should be. I don't know that I can take them as a serious contender because of the fact that KC is there. But other than that, if I were to eliminate that, which you can't, then, yeah, I think they're playing as well or better than anybody in not just the conference, but in the whole entire league. Over in the NFC, the Packers win again. That was a workmanlike job over the Panthers. They got up 21-3 to early, and then they were just all about ending that game. Only three points in the second half, but they went 24-16. Tampa Bay got in a hole. They were down 17-0. They were looking... Uh, Forget looking like a Super Bowl team. They weren't even looking like a playoff team. But great second half. They come back and win that game. Beat Atlanta 31-27. But you can't help but notice they're, they're struggling with a 4-10 and team. I mean, they got the win. 
but uh, it doesn't exactly look like they're peaking. They're, they're kind of getting through it against the, uh, the teams they're supposed to beat. Well, good for them. That's still a level of improvement. Your Cardinals stay in, uh, in that last playoff spot. They beat the Eagles 33-26. Rough day for the NFC East with uh, Washington, Philly, and New York all losing. Dallas did win. They beat the Niners. Uh, so Washington still with a one-game lead in that division. You know, the only thing that bugs me when you assign me all these teams from Arizona is your frequent and consistent neglect of the antelopes with Grand Canyon. We don't spend a lot of time talking whack basketball. But, you know, with Southern Utah, maybe that's going to change. Well, they play, they play other sports than the weather, other sports outside of basketball in a whack, buddy. That's why I've been pumping the whack in Southern Utah for a good long while now. Monday night football, Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. The Steelers trying to march towards that number two seed in the AFC. We'll see how they do tonight. ESPN at 615. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah. Pocket holds up. Bentley with time. Has a man wide open. It's Down 28-7 at the half, the Utes rally. 21-10 at Colorado was nice, but they dug an even deeper hole. That was 21-10 early third quarter at Colorado. 28-7 at the half, and they scored 38 unanswered points. They forced four turnovers in the second half. Four and a score, PK. They got a pick six and forced four turnovers and ended up blowing Washington State off the field. We'd all seen the comeback the week before, and yet I don't think any of us were really expecting that in the second half. That was unbelievable. Well, obviously, it was fun to see Drew Lisk, who's been there for a good long while, hasn't played much, stuck it out, persevered. He's not going to be an NFL quarterback. And part of the thing that these guys do in the colleges, that all of us did in college, is to prepare for life. And it's a great lesson to be learned how he stood there and held the clipboard and signaled in signs for all this time and gets an opportunity in the very last game, literally the last game, assume he doesn't come back and Kyle didn't think he would, uh, because that would be a sixth year, and he's got multiple degrees. It's time to move on. But what a story. So you got that going on there. And then also, too, I think lost in all this was the defensive effort. Maybe not lost, but uh, obscured to a degree was the defensive effort was just absolutely sensational in the second half. I mean, they totally, totally dominated. I realize the starting quarterback got hurt there for a little bit, but still that defense that the Utes played in the second half against a team that, you know, has some power offensively, was very, very impressive. Ty Jordan, 154 yards rushing, three TDs. I thought the short one up the middle was the most impressive. There was a cut in the middle of that run. It was like, wow, that was a big-time NFL move right there. But fourth and one, you know, that was still the game was in doubt, and he just turns the corner and goes all the way. That was, that was pretty exciting, too. He keeps delivering week in and week out. Yeah, and I asked him afterward, you know, what's this deal with the second half? You know, he said that the first half you try to feel yourself. 
as far as what the defense is doing and what you need to do and make adjustments, therefore, as the game goes on. And, wow, man, his second half's the last couple of weeks. Jeez. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this kid is just looking amazing for just when you just factor in that he's a freshman, too. It's incredible. If he's a senior, he would look incredible. But when you factor in this is his first year, just a few months removed from high school, man, it just looks incredible, his future. Utes decided to skip the potential bowl game. Players head home for the holidays. Ty Jordan uh, spoke about that, and one of the things alluded to is, you know, why risk injuries uh, at this point? They got a good thing set up for next year. They're bringing in quarterbacks. Uh, Charlie Brewer, Baylor grad transfer. He'll come in as a senior, Texas quarterback. Jaquinnon Jackson comes in as a freshman, although I've already heard red stuff, not heard, but red stuff about, you know, well, maybe, maybe he will end up switching positions. They're going to have... Two freshmen, a sophomore, and a senior. The quarterback, and and that's assuming that Bentley and Lisk don't come back. That doesn't count either one of those guys. So the quarterback room got a lot deeper, and Kyle was saying, I don't think we're going to, you asked him about going into spring with just uh, a true freshman and Costelli. I don't know, that'd be worst case, but I don't think that's going to happen, and now we see why. Well, I had heard and had been told that Brewer was coming. That's why I asked that question. And I knew he couldn't say anything until, I don't even know what he can say now with all these NCAA rules. But that Brewer was coming over from Baylor. I did not know about this Jackson kid. That's two kids that went to Texas and didn't get out on the field and rising in Jackson. I, mean, I don't know. I have no idea that he's going to be moved to safety. I mean, I think he's a quarterback. And I think that's why he's coming. I don't think he's coming to be moved to safety. I can't answer that. I'm not sure. I don't know anything about that, actually. But uh, you know, they got all these four-star guys. And what are they going to do with them? You know, only one kid can play, so we'll have to see. And as far as Ty Jordan risking injury, why play in any bowl game, really? If, if I don't think that was the reason, risk injury. When they play Idaho, whoever they play next year, why play in that game? I'm not sure that's the number one reason, risking injury, as to why you wouldn't go to these bowls, because so many of the Pac-12 now has bowed out, and only two are in there. And I'm not sure that it was risking injury was the reason. Oregon to the Fiesta and Colorado to the Alamo. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Quarterback back at the five. Steps up. Gets drilled. Yes, sir. He gets mashed. And that is going to be the ball game. Six, five, four, three. They can't snap it. They can't stop it. The clock runs at four, at three, at two, at one. Six in a row for Clemson. As they down Notre Dame here in the ACC championship game, 34-10. And off to the college football playoffs once again is headed our Clemson Tigers. Clemson joins Oklahoma with six consecutive conference titles. Oklahoma finishes sixth in the uh, college football playoff committee rankings. They will not be in the playoff. Number two, Clemson will play number three, Ohio State. The Buckeyes won their fourth straight conference title in the Big Ten. And they're going to play in the Sugar Bowl, Clemson and Ohio State. Bama and Notre Dame in the Rose Bowl in Texas. Bama's won the title five times in seven years in the SEC. So there it is. The biggest brand names are through, PK, and everybody else can go on and do whatever they want. The big brand names to the playoffs. Who did you want in then? 
I didn't particularly care at this point. I mean, I think Cincinnati would have been good to be in. I think Notre Dame's going to get blown out, but there's an argument to be made that no matter who they put in at four, Alabama's going to beat them like a drum. So you don't have a problem with the committee's selection, or do you? Oh, I, I do, but I've given up on it at this point. I mean, we've talked about it the last, I don't know, two, three weeks. I don't know how long we've been talking and about what, it. What's your problem then? Uh, they're always going to stick with the brand names, and the, the results, it's, it's if the... It just seems like they take whatever argument they want, and they can always fall back on the eye test. You know, it doesn't – I don't know that it really matters that Oklahoma's a few spots in front of Cincinnati, but it's the eye test. Everybody knows Oklahoma would beat them, and the, the scores don't matter. Iowa State had two losses and was in front of, uh, in front of uh, Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina, even though Iowa State lost at home to Louisiana. So you know? Cincinnati's your big – Well, I think as an undefeated team and winning that conference and the fact that they beat three ranked teams, that, yeah, they've got a strong case, but it's not good enough. It's not even close to good enough. It's not like they came in fifth. They obviously, yeah. I don't don't know that there's much difference between fifth and eighth, if that's a big deal to you. Uh, To me, you're either in the four or you're not. Like, as I've been saying, finishing second in recruiting. So you think Cincinnati should have been in. Is that the bottom line? Yes. Four more bowl games canceled. Uh, A lot of teams opting out across the country. Uh, An odd number of teams want in and have been invited. And the one that's getting left out is Army at 9-2. and They had a contract in the Independence Bowl. But they don't have an opponent to fill in an opponent. So maybe another team will drop out of a bowl game and they'll fill in. Or maybe nothing at all for them. They're... There are two and three win teams going to the Bulls, but a nine and two team is out. So there's a exclamation point to the 2020 Bizarro season. What is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Josh Newman. You beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune joins us at 8 o'clock. Matt Marshall, national college football writer for the Orlando Sentinel, covers UCF as well. He'll join us at 9 o'clock to talk about the BYU Bowl game. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Need to reintroduce myself. My name is the Jazz, the Utes, the Cougars. When it comes to the teams that you're passionate about, these guys have got you covered. Hi. This this is DJ and PK on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. PK out takes your toast is brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Get 0% financing for up to 72 months plus a $2,500 purchase allowance on a new 2021 XT4, XT5, or XT6. Shop your way at Jerry Seiner Cadillac. We've got multiple questions for you this morning, but fresh off the news that Rudy Gobert is getting a five-year extension worth $205 million. You good with that? You like it? You love it? You hate it? You loathe it? What do you think? Reaction. And it's all over the board, PK. Darwin, really? of course, we need Rudy to stay really? competitive. We can add pieces around him and Donovan. Brad is absolutely cool with it. He's earned it. He didn't demand the Supermax because he understands they need pieces around him. 
And Brian says, although the salary seems astronomical, the Jazz did what they felt they needed to do. It's nice to have him and Donovan locked up for five years. On the other, well, somebody said for that, for sure. Yeah. On the other hand of it, Nathan is a fan of giving Jazz fans hell. Uh, I love this signing. It's so not worth it, and it doesn't help them win a championship. Randy, way too much for a player who's a liability on the offensive end of the floor. The Jazz better get it done this year. Well, there's a lot to digest and say on that. I mean, there's uh, all sorts of stuff there. Uh, the idea of this doesn't move them closer to a title, well, I think it does. Does it move them in position to win a title? I can't say that. Because I go back to, because it's in retrospect now, it's easy to say, but you know, should they have made moves with the statues? They brought them back every year, and they didn't win a title. They got very, very close, but second place... And, you know, I, I don't think you can say, oh, second place is as good as 20th place or what have you because you didn't win it because there's a lot of good times and a lot of money to be made. And we saw that for darn near 20 years with those two guys leading the way. Uh, so there is more than just winning it all, but that's the ultimate goal. And I don't think in this case for this team that they pretty much had any choice because you certainly couldn't let them walk you know, like you did with Go, uh, Hayward. That ended up working, and you didn't you didn't anticipate Hayward walking. You put all your chips on the table on that. Although the management learned stuff, and they're going to be better. They are better for it. They were better for it uh, in that situation. I've had them tell me those things specifically. They learned some stuff, so that's a great experience. And obviously, they struck gold with Mitchell. Uh, but they, if you want to win. You know, you've got to maintain your best players, and they felt that was reasonable. It's not my money, so, I mean, I don't really care about the money. I care about how it affects the salary cap, and now they're going to have to go out and get other players. But if you let Gobert walk or you trade Gobert, where you're going to get better value? Were you going to win that trade if you traded Gobert? Well, the history of the NBA says no, that the person, the team that trades the best, trades for the best player, no matter if it's one one versus one or two versus three, however many people are involved in the transaction, the team that gets the best player out of those multiple guys wins the trade. So what were the Jazz supposed to do in this case? That's what I would ask. And I don't, I'm not saying like uh, that one time with Locke, you know, when I was criticizing uh, – Ty Corbin. Well, what play would you run? I'm hey, I'm not the coach, and I don't know what play I would want. My job isn't to first guess. My job is to second guess. So I'm not asking, well, what trade would you make that would be better? I'm not asking that. I'm going more on the general principle rather than the specifics. What could they have done that would make the team better? Not much. You know, you're, you're right about the history of NBA trades. If you deal them, you're going to get less back. You're you're not going to get a dollar for a dollar. I don't know if you're going to get eighty cents or forty cents, but you're you're going to lose value in the trade. If you let them walk as a free agent, who are you going to use that money to attract? You know, it is hard to get elite guys as free agents wherever you are. We have seen uh, the the Mavericks and the Lakers recently. Uh, strike out in the in the market. Now the Lakers eventually came through and they got LeBron, so maybe it's good that they they struck out earlier. Uh, the Mavericks ended up rebuilding through the draft. It's if you have money, that doesn't mean you're going to get a great player to take it. And if you're in a cold weather city or you're in a flyover state, it gets a lot harder. The history is well, these a- guys leave markets like this, right? Gordon Hayward leaves here, and Carmelo Anthony uh, leaves Denver, and Kevin Durant leaves Oklahoma City, and Paul George 
told Indiana, well, move me or I'm going to leave here. So, you know, he forced his way out. And we know Anthony Davis forced his way out of New Orleans. And we can go on and on with this list. So did they overpay him? Yeah, probably. Did they have a choice? Nope. Well, I think it goes back to what Kevin O'Connor said years ago. Yep. (laughs) That you have to overpay in this particular market. So, and this, this market actually is more the norm than it is the unusual, you know, whether it's smaller or what the, the, the degrees of size of markets. But we know in the league there's three or four, maybe five glamour spots, and then the rest are trying to pick up and battle. You know, you can put Phoenix in there. You can put Portland in there. They're, they've got things that are nice about their markets, but they're basically not in the haves uh, as far as the NBA, the glamour spots. Uh, you know, you can go weather and all that stuff. That sounds good. If weather mattered, the Suns wouldn't have sucked for the last ten mm-hmm. years. I mean, I, I just think the player today is way more sophisticated than all the stuff that seems like it ought to be such a big deal. But I do think what's really important here, and I think we've had two high-profile examples now in consecutive weeks. I had been saying for years, the foreign guys are thousands of miles away from home. They're not necessarily attracted to the big markets. So they're not looking to run and go to other places. And obviously Dikembe, or not Matumbo, just uh, Antetokumbo, <laughs> not Matumbo, but Antetokumbo chose to stay in Milwaukee. We've, I've been in Milwaukee multiple times for work. I've never vacationed there for obvious reasons, but I've been there for work. <laughs> and it's brutally cold and it's small and all that stuff. But yet he said that's his home because he's from Greece, man. And so he's all the way around the other side of the world. So he wants to be comfortable. Same thing with Gobert. Gobert's from France. He's Salt Lake is his home now from the United States perspective. So he wants to stay here. He wrote the letter, man. The guy comes off. I don't know him, nor do I want to know him, because I don't want personal relationships to cloud my judgment. So if I come on and criticize someone, I, I can be told to stick it because I offended them because they like the guy. I don't know about this guy. I don't like him. I don't dislike him. I evaluate him as a basketball player. That's all he is to me. I want this team to win, and that's all that matters. I don't care about – it's not that I don't care about their personal lives. It's just that I don't want to cloud my judgment. I have no interaction with Gobert outside of anything that doesn't pertain to his specific on-the-court performance. But it's clear he seems like a decent person, and he wants to be in this community because this is where he's from, from the basketball perspective. So I think the foreign guys – they're not interested in running around the, the, the league and going to these warm weather, glamour spots, whatever you want to come up with. So this is what Gobert fits into. Now, the great thing about it is you've got these guys settled, right? They're locked in, ready to go. When this league starts for them Thursday, uh, Wednesday, for others tomorrow, Gobert and Mitchell, they're making their money. They're about winning, right? And that's a great position to be in. Now it's up to the management to augment the roster. And they got the roster set this year, obviously, so it's not like it's going to be this year. But going forward in subsequent years, it's up to the management to get these guys in. And it's going to be fun to watch them do this because they're going to have to do this year after year, right? Because the rosters turn over. Didn't really turn over this much this year. That's more the exception. So they did what they had to do. Now we'll see how it plays out. I think the roster turnover is inevitable. Whenever you look at an NBA team, look at its roster three years earlier, lots has changed. I mean, lots of stuff changes over three years. 
Uh, Aaron says what you were just saying right there. Aaron posts, they have their two cornerstones signed. Now it's time for those cornerstones to deliver a return on the investment. Talk has been talked. Now it's time to walk the walk. And Barry. Well, yeah. Barry, how in the hell are we okay with paying this kind of money to athletes with the wage gap crisis we currently have in our country? Well, the wage gap crisis in this country goes way beyond what pro athletes are making, and nothing stops the machine, Barry. Uh, rich people are still making a ton of money. They were doing it two months ago. They were doing it two years ago. They'll be doing it in two months, and they'll be doing it in two years. And there's well, well I mean, the, the the team changed ownership right in the middle of this, uh, and so uh, two hundred million is pennies compared to what was being exchanged there. <laughs> I've come to grips with that a long time ago. <laughs> These guys make outrageous money, and what are you going to do? <laughs> Nothing. If, if 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 you get caught up on the money, then you can it can lessen your enjoyment of what I believe for me anyway is strictly a form of entertainment. Sports is like going to a movie for me. It's nothing more, nothing less. I want to go see a decent movie. I want to be entertained. I've been to one movie during this uh, pandemic deal. I went and saw that Liam Neeson one a few weeks ago. We went like. Uh, uh, earlier, uh, late afternoon, hardly anybody there over down there at uh, Jordan Commons at the Megaplex. And, sure, he's running around busting people, Liam Neeson, right? Uh, you know, the, we know that Taken. What's the, what's the famous line he had in Taken? I have Escaping a particular set of yeah, skills. Yeah, there, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I actually taped that when it was on TV once. Uh, right, and so it's entertainment. And it was just, you know, it was a goofy movie, and if you put it in real life, it wouldn't have added up, but I enjoyed it. It was entertaining. That's the way I view my sports. And so for this here, uh, this is where I'm, I'm not going to get caught up and that these guys are just making such outrageous amounts of money. I just want the money. The thing that I, that I would criticize the NBA is there's so many guys making such enormous amounts of money who just do nothing for winning. I remember, remember a couple of years ago on the Otto Porter deal. I couldn't believe he was <laughs> yeah. making like twenty-seven million. You got to be no, he isn't. Me, yeah, he is. I'm looking at the number right now. <laughs> Check another website. That one might be wrong. Check another website. They had the same number. It comes just startling it, to it, me. It just comes down to if there were no salary cap and no collective bargaining agreement, the Otto Porters of the world. And let's, I mean, we're just picking on him because we know his name. But the truth is, there's a couple dozen guys like that, if not more. They wouldn't make that money. And LeBron, honestly, I think he'd be making like 150 or 200 million a year. I think he'd be making an in, just an enormous amount of money. And and Off so the NBA. And so would Steph Curry. Yeah, in his NBA salary plus whatever he made after that. Right. And and right, so would right, right. you know the top three or four players in the game because they could win titles. So Steph Curry would be making more money. His salary is capped. But the owners want to cap wages. And they set up this system, and a lot of players will buy into it because player 40, 50, and 60 are really benefiting. Those guys, you basically you're going to have two max guys on every team, and you got 30 teams, so you got 60 guys making max money. Now, depending on how long you've been in the league and with the super max, max is $25 million for one guy, and it's 40-something million, $45 million for another guy. But you still have 60 players maxed out. And we all know from watching the NBA, they named the all-NBA first, second, and third team. The third-team guy can't drag his team to a championship. Now, you can be the 12th best player in the world, and everyone can agree on that. 
You are the 14th best player in the world. I'm glad you got third-team All-NBA. You deserve the recognition. But, man, if you put four, the top 14 players on 14 different teams, somebody's going out in the first round. Now, obviously, some teams, you know, the, the Lakers have two of the top 10 players in the world. And you ask their fans, they probably have two of the top three players in the world. Um, you can argue about where guys slot in. But 60 guys, 60-ish guys getting max money, and clearly guy 55, what is he doing for his team? Third best player, nice player, second best player, nice player but on a lottery team? Go through all the lottery teams. they got to spend the money. They can't not spend the money. It's in the collective bargaining agreement. So it's set up, and it's making everybody a lot of money, so it doesn't appear to change, PK. It's going to be the way it is going forward. And, and I've dealt with that, yeah. I got, I've gotten past that because it's entertainment. It, it, it'll just drive you crazy if you look at that and look how much money they're making and how much difference it is in their lives. And that's why I say there are no losers in pro sports. And I said that 19 years ago when we started doing <laughs> this radio show. And it's true when you – we all go to work for – ultimately to get the money some of us like you and me and a lot of us are extremely fortunate to have a phenomenal job that i don't ever want to give up because it's so much fun that's great but if they weren't paying me you know okay what am i going to do for money these guys they don't have to worry about that they're they're solved financially they'll get the best of the best and lucky for them way to go Uh, but as far as the basketball this is something that i think that the jazz had to do and if I'm a Jazz fan today, I'm happier today than I was Friday uh, because I didn't know what was going to happen with Gobert. And is he Abdul-Jabbar? No, obviously he's not. I mean, or whomever. Is he even Jokic of you want to go today? Well, offensively, not even close. But he's going to help you win, and he's going to make your team better. So in that way, they really had no choice. And suppose just suppose they go, these two guys, Mitchell and Gobert, go like they did with uh, the statues. A lot of great, great times. You know, it's, like, it's sort of like the Utes in that the Utes have been in the thick of things the last couple of years. They haven't gotten the job done, but they've been right there. Win a ball game, you're going to the Rose Bowl, right? If that's the best you got, that's not so bad. That's better than not having it. You know what I'm saying? You wouldn't. Would you rather be Sacramento uh, or th- some of these Minnesota? I can. That I can has answer. No this, chance. I can answer the Sacramento question, having worked there before I came to Salt Lake, and having worked there before they had their glorious five-year run, and it was just. I mean, the season was over in December, and we've had some yeah. years like that here. You know, when the Jazz rebuilt, we knew what was going on. Okay, well, this well, they're is... not now, right? No, I know, and so that is not as fun. It is more fun to be in the moment, and we'll get into this in the next segment. But on fourth and one, when Ty Jordan takes the ball and turns the corner, and all of a sudden starts accelerating, and you can't see on TV yet, you're thinking, "Wow, he's taking off like he thinks he's going to score." And sure enough, a couple seconds later, he's in the end zone. Now, of course, you know, it's a pandemic year, so the stadium isn't packed. But can you imagine if 45,000 people were in there? It would have been electric. It would have been one regular season game with a team that isn't in the hunt in the north. But it would have been electric. It would have been awesome. People would have been going nuts. It would have been bananas. Yeah, I think they would have been going bananas for two reasons, because of the actual play, but the hope that Ty Jordan provides going forward. Every Ute fan I know, and I don't know them all, obviously. But the ones that I know, and I've 
because I've been I speak to them. I mean, literally the ones that I know, not just a general statement. But literally the ones that I know, their excitement level for next season is extremely <laughs> high because yep. there's hope there, yep. right? And I asked Kyle on Saturday, you know, what did you accomplish this season? Because I said all along the season was so jacked up. I didn't really care about the results the way I normally would. You care about the results and you want your team to win. But you did they didn't mean as much as they normally do. Well, mission accomplished for Utah this year for most of the positions. Now they still gotta iron out the quarterback position, but that seems like it's a perpetual thing. In most cases, uh, last year they had Huntley, and good on Huntley, man. He got to take NFL snaps yesterday. What a great success story. I'm so happy for the kid that he actually got in an NFL game, and if nothing happens going forward, he could say, I was an NFL quarterback. He wants to say, I am an NFL quarterback, but he certainly can say, I was an NFL quarterback because he got in there. But the point being, they've got tons of hope for next season. Well, I think that's the same thing with the Jazz. We've got a lot of hope and expectation for this season, and that's way better than thinking, man, who are we going to pick in the draft next, uh, whenever the draft is? It's usually in June. I don't know what they're doing next year. I haven't heard about it. But then that's the resolve of your Sacramento and so, so many of these other teams for the Clippers for so many years. And the Jazz aren't in that spot. They're going to be competitive. To what level of competitive? Well, it's on these two guys now. Yeah, they've got to put up, absolutely. And then going forward, management, they're set this year. But in the coming years, as, quick, as soon as next season, you know, they've got to retool. And if I'm a fan of that, I'd rather be retooling from a position of strength rather than a position of weakness, and that's where I think the ball club is in right now. DJ and PK, we're going to be talking youth football with Josh Newman, Utah beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. That's coming up in about 15 minutes. The Road Home Radio-a-thon is underway. It's different this year. Obviously, we're all not gathered in a building or in a tent in the parking lot. That's not such a great idea right now. But the Road Home continues on. The Road Home still housing about 750 people a night. There's about 2,000 homeless people in the state, and they need your help to continue providing safe refuge for the folks in those circumstances. You can donate on the phone right now, 801-819-7300, 801-819-7300. You can also drop off items at the Men's Resource Center. That's at 3380 South, 1000 West, uh, 3380 South, 1000 West in South Salt Lake, and they need diapers, boots, socks, underwear, gloves, hats, coats, uh, they need face masks, both store-bought and homemade. If you can help them out with that, disinfectant cleaning products as well. So you can drop off in person at the Men's Resource Center, 3380 South, 10th West in South Salt Lake, and you can make a financial donation. Cash is still king, people. 801-819-7300. 801-819-7300. You can donate online at theroadhome.org. Theroadhome.org. Youth football next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Multiple questions to ponder this morning, including the youth finish 3-2. and two. Evaluate their season, which is more of an order than a question. Evaluate it now! <laughs> but who cares? You've been evaluating it all along, so it's really not that hard. Uh, on Facebook, you can hit us up on uh, Facebook. Hit us up at DJ and PK on Twitter. David DJ James. Uh, Mark says, "Great way to end the season after such a bad start." Not to sound cold-hearted, if I were them, I'd probably encourage Jake Bentley not to come back next season. 
with this year of eligibility not counting, I'm not sure if he would come back or not. Todd says, got everything we needed out of this crazy, weird season. We improved every week. We got young freshmen, much-needed experience, and most importantly, saw the players really becoming teammates and gaining chemistry. He's about the chemistry and the culture, PK. Culture. Well, the culture's already been there, win or lose. It's just been established for many, many years, and it's going to be there going forward. I don't think Kyle is going to be coaching at 67 years of age. I mean, that's when his contract runs out, but that's another story for another day. But the point being, as long as he's there, that culture is going to be established. It's going to be there. So I don't think you have to worry about that. I think that to me, yeah, the one thing I would say is not it got everything accomplished because my one thing that I wanted to see accomplished was to be able to evaluate Cam Rising, and we didn't get that opportunity. Jake Bentley, you know, we're all very, very hesitant to crack on college kids. I mean, the guy's out there trying. He's not trying to throw incompletions. He's not trying to throw interceptions, obviously. It goes without saying. But clearly watching that game in the first half, it just wasn't good enough. I mean, he was getting Covey blown up there because you throw behind him, and meanwhile defenders coming over uh, towards Covey's right shoulder, and he's exposed as he has to reach back over past his left shoulder to try to catch a pass that's behind him as he's moving. And Covey's not a big kid. <laughs> Jeez, I mean, it's just painful to watch that interception right before the first half. For a second, I saw the ball, and I got confused because I thought that, well, the Utes, they're playing in white jerseys because the throw looked like it was right to them, the defender. And so they had to make that change there. But it doesn't look like if you wanted to win the division that Bentley is going to be your guy. So I would say that they didn't get everything they wanted to have accomplished, be accomplished this season. The defense came together pretty quickly. The running game came together pretty quickly. On their level, you know, the whole the Utes have to rebuild thing, uh, you know, USC can reload, but Utah has to rebuild. Defensively and with the running game, that looked like reloading. You know, the quarterback game, except for when Tyler Huntley really got a handle on it later in his career, you know, the, the quarterback position is where it's been, except for that period where Tyler Huntley had it locked down. And he had to grow into it. You know, it's clearly he was a much better player as a senior than he was as a sophomore. It's obvious. Uh, He had to grow into it. But the running game, that wasn't much growing into anything. (laughs) It's like Jordan took his first seven carries, and all of us were like, he needs more carries. And after the game, Kyle said he needed more carries, and he's off and looking great. And then Kyle said after the game, the defense is – Number two in the conference, and Kyle didn't think that they would be number two statistically in the conference defensively, and yet nonetheless, there they are. And when they needed to dominate in the second half of the Washington State game, they dominated. Yeah, I don't care much about the statistics because it was such a screwy year. There wasn't a complete level where everyone's playing nine games, so some didn't even come close to that. So they got the experience that they needed, and they'll need to continue to do it. Uh, they're going to be in contention next year. I mean, that's in the off season. That's all you can do is be in contention. You can't win anything, and so they're going to be in contention for the South. There's going to be changes. We don't know who's coming, who's staying, and all that stuff. But they should be in contention. Whether they can win it, I don't know. Never forget that this is the Pac-12, and screwy things happen. Even in a six-game season, 
nobody went through undefeated. It is just uncanny how it happens year after year after year in this conference. No one goes through undefeated. Nine games, no one has done it in nine years, and this was the 10th year. It's crazy to think this is the 10th year, but here's where we are. And in six games or seven games, depending on how many you played, no one went through undefeated because obviously Oregon beat SC. That is what happens in this conference. People from this, uh, from college football, they don't understand it, I think, to the degree is that it's almost impossible to go through this conference. Now, with that in mind, I'm not excusing the conference. Yesterday, the conference, we're getting a little bit away from the Utes, but I wanted to say this. The conference, my conference, my conference long before it's been Uzal conference, and Uzal, yes, that's a word. You look it up. That they have never been more irrelevant than they were yesterday, and that is because of the horrible, horrible management that this conference has. Something needs to be done. They have never been more irrelevant than they are right now, and that's just an embarrassment. But as far as the Utes go, I think most of what they needed to accomplish was accomplished this year, and hopefully we get back into a normal season next season, and they should be in contention, and we'll go from there. Probably the low point yesterday was when the Pac-12 finally got got mentioned, it was only to be laughed at. Yeah, the Pac-12 had a lot of champions this year. (laughs) Great. It's bad. (laughs) I know. And referencing, you know, two division winners and the third team is the conference champ. All right, DJ and PK, we got to take a break. When we come back, Josh Newman, Ute beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune, joins us here to talk about the season and where it's headed from here. The Road Home Mediathon continues. If you want to donate, pick up the phone, 801-819-7300. 801-819-7300. A small donation will house one person for one night. Give them 20 bucks and know that you house somebody for one night. And also, if you've got items you can help with, socks, underwear, masks, uh, if you've got extra coats, uh, you can drop them off at the Men's Resource Center. 3380 South, 1000 West, The Road Home, Utah's biggest homeless shelter. You can help them out right now. 801-819-7300 or donate online at theroadhome.org.